Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets, and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Welcome to... The first Rostradamus show we're going to be doing this each and every Tuesday during the NFL and possibly the NBA season. We're going to just be filling in all of the gaps, everything that you need to know, everything that we're not doing on East Coast Bias. We're going to have some NFL. We're going to have some NBA. We're going to have some boxing. We're going to have some guests on here. We're going to do something a little different each and every week just to give you everything you need to know in the betting world. This week, it is NFL Week 2, and there's a lot of overreactions. I mean, there's a lot of interesting trends. You look this week, road teams were 12-4 and four against the spread favorites. We're 7-9 against the spread, 43%. Home dogs, 1-4, 20%. Home favorites, 3-8, 27%. More importantly, offenses were bad. I mean, absolutely bad. You saw unders go 12 and 4, 75%. That's going to change at some point. We all saw a lot of teams come out. They didn't play their starting quarterback in the preseason. There were nine teams who didn't play their starting quarterback in the preseason. The Eagles, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Rams, the Bengals, the Lions, the Vikings, the Titans, and the Chargers. Those teams went 2-7 and against the spread in the first half. So there was a lot of rust amongst some of these teams. Obviously, the Cowboys, they did go out there and stomp on the Giants, just as, as I said they would the other day. So they didn't even have to sweat that first half. You look at the Titans, they covered the first half as well. But everybody else didn't play their starters in the preseason. They really struggled. A lot of interesting things week one in the NFL. You see Josh Allen last night basically threw that game away. Really unfortunate for the New York Jets. New York Jets, the four plays. Everybody was hyping Aaron Rodgers. You wanted to see what he could do with this defense because the defense is, is an absolute monster. Four snaps, tears his Achilles. 
But it didn't matter because Josh Allen went out there and threw that game away since the start of the 2021 season. 34 games, 32 interceptions, 23 fumbles. That continued last night. I think it's unfortunate, but I think we're looking at a point where I said this on Twitter last night, but I think Josh Allen might be like the new age Jeff George. You're looking at a guy who, I said it last night, it's like the newspapers were saying about Tom Shepard and above the rim, pure talent, fatal flaw. We've seen so many turnovers from this guy and he just can't, he he can't play mistake-free football. I've seen enough from him thus far that I think the Bills, when they were 13 seconds away from beating the Chiefs, that was their peak. I don't think the Bills are going to be able to win a championship with this guy. I think Brian Dayball took this guy to the next level. But moving on, let's talk about some overreactions because we all know week two is overreaction time in the NFL. It's one of the most profitable times for sportsbooks. Everybody, when we sat out the summer, And the only data point you have is what you saw in week one. So you have a lot of these lines have moved. One of the first ones that stands out to me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're taking on the Chicago Bears. They won 20 to 17 against the Minnesota Vikings last week. We all know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they took some sharp money in the market. Last week, they took sharp money, pushing them down from six and a half. So about four Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they get it done outright. Those of you who listen and watch the wise guys, that was one of my rat lines of the week. We told you that the Minnesota Vikings, they were a team that overperformed their Pythagorean expectation. So the Bucs were a sharp play. However, I think it was an overreaction. I wasn't high on the Bears coming on coming into this year. I did fade the Bears last week. But I think the Buccaneers are overvalued in this spot. You're looking at a Bucs team that, on the look-ahead line, they were one-and-a-half-point underdogs. Now they're three-point favorites. They beat the Vikings in a game in which they were outgaining yardage. 369 to 242. Passing yards, 328 to 169. Yards per play, 5.9 to 3.6. Baker Mayfield. Led this Buccaneers offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They only had 3.6 yards per play. So how did they win that game? They they benefited from three turnovers, two fumbles, and one interception. All which took away points from Minnesota or led the Buccaneers points. You ask me, Justin Fields, he's still a dangerous threat on the ground. He's a guy who is not the best passer, but he's a dangerous threat on the ground. And if you don't get pressure on Justin Fields, he's going to break one. And I look at this spot, the Buccaneers. They only generated pressure on 27% of their dropbacks last week against Kirk Cousins. They do that against Justin Fields. That's a problem. We know Ty Bowles likes the blitz. Well, Justin Fields had an 81% completion rate against the blitz on 16 dropbacks last week against the Green Bay Packers. I think he's going to do that again. This week against that Todd Bowles defense. This is uglier than a masterpiece sneaker. But I think you have to hold your nose and take the Chicago Bears plus three in this matchup. This is a complete overreaction. I'm going to be holding my nose. I'm taking the Bears. It's ugly. But coming into this season, 
The markets had the Bears power rated over the Buccaneers. So this is the overreaction. Take the Bears plus three. Now, we're looking at some other lines that have moved. One of the more interesting ones, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. We've seen this line go from Steelers minus one on the look ahead to plus two. Even some plus two and a half in the market. Steelers took a lot of money in that opening day game against the San Francisco 49ers. They lost 30 to seven. They got taken into the deep waters and drowned. Last time these two teams played, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Steelers won 28 to 14 as two and a half point favorites in a game where Deshaun Watson completely stunk it up. We all know. Deshaun Watson came back week 14 last year. Didn't have a lot of time to prep. So on the surface, this feels like a little bit of an overreaction. This is a Steelers team that thrives in the role of an underdog. Before week one, the Steelers were 51-27-3, 65% as an underdog. 25-11-2 against the spread the last five seasons. And 15-4-3, almost 79% as an own underdog. And they got trashed in week one. So the sharp side is going to be the Steelers this week. However, this is a much more difficult task this week due to the injuries suffered in week one. As we spoke about in our preview podcast, the Steelers were the healthiest team in the NFL last season. They were first in adjusted games loss. However, they've experienced a swift reversal in that. They lost defensive tackle Cam Hayward. They lost Deontay Johnson to a hamstring injury. Both of those guys are probably going to be out week two. Deontay Johnson, one of the best receivers along with George Pickens. You look at Cam Hayward. He's going to make a huge difference in the run game. If you look at the numbers with him in in and out of the lineup, his ability to be in the lineup is a big reason why they can stop the run. And I think that's going to be a major, major problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week against Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is an absolute animal. So you don't want to see him out. You look at Kenny Pickett. Steelers were 27th in early down EPA and 19th in early success rate last year. They were really thriving on late downs, which is largely unsustainable. That's how they won those games at the end of the last year. However, those early down struggles continued in week one. They had a negative EPA per play and just a 44% success rate on early downs. And they're going to be taking on this Browns defense, which held Joe Burrow to just 142 total yards, six first downs and two for third, excuse me, two for 15 on third down. Keep in mind, Joe Burrow is just one in five against the Browns throughout his career, losing by an average of 14.6 points a game. Despite that, Kenny Pickett was under pressure, 46% of his dropbacks against the 49ers. And I think the Browns with Miles Garrett and Zadaria Smith can replicate that. I know Deshaun Watson continues to struggle, but if you ask me, this is not a game where I don't think I don't think the Steelers are going to bounce back here. I think this is a low-scoring game. There's a reason why this this total has taken money from 43 to 40 right now. I mean, obviously, 41 is a key number. 43 is also a key number. But this has the makings of a lower-scoring game. But I'm gonna be honest with you. I see why this, why the, the Browns have taken money here, and I can't back the Steelers in this spot. I, I can't at all. 
I, I, a lot of people going to say this is overreaction based on the look-ahead line and based on what we saw last year, but I think this Browns team is for real. So I'd be leaning towards the Browns, but i also be leaning towards the under. More overreactions, more, more line moves. You look at the San Francisco 49ers. They are now up to minus eight against the Los Angeles Rams. The look-ahead line on this game was minus four and a half. I don't think this is an overreaction at all. You saw the Rams. They were five and a half point underdogs on the road against the Seattle Seahawks in week one. They end up pulling the upset. But the San Francisco 49ers are the cream of the crop. They're my second rated power rated team in the league right now behind the Dallas Cowboys. And we all know Kyle Shanahan has absolutely dominated Sean McVay. Nine and four straight up and against the spread. This Rams team can't beat this 49ers team. And they haven't been able to do it for quite some time. Even when the Rams were winning Super Bowl. I mean, obviously they did beat them in the NFC Championship game. That was a game in which the 49ers probably should have won. Still a little hot about that because I had a 25 to 1 future on the 49ers that year. 49ers did cash the, the three and a half in the NFC Championship game. 49ers should have won that game. Though. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter. But that's neither here nor there. Rams can't beat this 49ers team. There's a reason why this line has gone up to eight. Rams, Seahawks' first half was really telling. First half, the Rams struggled to slow down Seattle. They gave up scoring drives on four, all four of their first half possessions. They slowed down Seattle in the second half, but this is a step up in class, both offensively and defensively. 49ers should be able to dominate on both sides of the ball. Seahawks only pressure Stafford on 20. 20- 3% of his dropbacks. Meanwhile, the 49ers pressure Pickett on 46% of his dropbacks. So 49ers are going to be able to put some pressure on Matthew Stafford. I know 2-2 and Nakua, they stepped up against the Seattle defense, but this is a step up in class. This is a matchup where the Rams are really going to miss Cooper Cup. I'm not telling you to necessarily lay the 8 with the, the 49ers, but I think you can take the 49ers on a teaser, and I think you got some easy money. I mean, I don't necessarily like to play teaser legs, these wine teaser legs where you're you're taking eight down to two on the road. But I just think the 49ers are just that much better than the Rams this year. This Rams team, I mean, you're looking at Aaron Donald and a bunch of nobodies on defense. So um, there's a reason for that line moving. It's not an overreaction at all. We broke down a couple of those games for you, but now it's time to take a break. So get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Me personally, I like the Dallas Cowboys plus 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl this year. You guys saw them in week one. Take the Giants into the deep waters and drown them, beating them 40 to nothing. Look, that's strong. 40 to nothing against a divisional opponent in week one. They made a statement. I think you're still getting value on the Dallas Cowboys 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So go ahead. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers and kick off the NFL season with the offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and up and present in select states. 
First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV is a base plan. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and a current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's go to the other game. The Detroit Lions versus the Seattle Seahawks. This is one of the most interesting ones because the look-ahead line on this game was... Detroit minus two and a half. And now we're all the way up to six. So how can that be? These two teams actually played last season. Week four, Seattle Seahawks won 48-45 in a game where the Lions closed as three and a half point favorites. And to be honest, you go back and look at that game, that game wasn't really as close as the final score. Seahawks were up double digits before the Lions came roaring back. We all know this is a Lions team that continues to fight under Dan Campbell. So to see where this line has gone is really interesting. We all know the Detroit Lions come off defeating the Kansas City Chiefs. However, the Lions were the beneficiary of five drops, including three from Kadarius Toney, one which led to a pick six, and another which would have put the Chiefs into field goal range with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. You add in the fake punt on fourth and two from the Detroit Lions 17, which led to a touchdown. And in the third and 12 to Josh Reynolds on a play where Jared Goff was inches away from being sat. And you have a Lions team which really snuck out with a win in a game in which they really should have lost. I mean, you're watching that game. It felt like the entire second half. That was a game where the Chiefs win more often than not. We know Travis Kelsey wasn't there. But Kadarius Tony, I mean, like, you're just not going to see too many games like that from an NFL wide receiver. All of those drops. Moving along, I mean, the reason why this line is moving is just because the Seahawks were just downright awful. I mean, I know they scored on the first four drives in the first half, but this is a team that had 3.9 yards per play and 180 yards total against this Rams defense, which is just Aaron Donald and a bunch of nobodies. That says a lot. You know, last year, you're looking at this Seahawks team. They were a team that had a bad defense. And they made up for it from their offense. Geno Smith was electric. Comeback player of the year. I mean, this Seahawks defense was non-existent. They pressured Matthew Stafford on nine of his 39 dropbacks. They should get back Jamal Williams. They should get back first-round quarterback Devin Weatherspoon. I don't know if that's going to be enough to help this Seahawks defense. However, I, you know what they say. No one is as good and no one is as bad as they were in week one. But it really comes down to if the Seahawks' offense 
can perform on the level that we know that they're capable of. Now, one thing you want to watch coming into this game is that the Seahawks lost both offensive tackles, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, in Sunday's game. So if those guys aren't out there, they're in a bad spot. I'm not necessarily rushing to back Seattle here at all. I'm really not because there's a reason why this line moved that far. However, I I do think this is a huge line. I think it's a very huge line move, and you have to really see if those tackles are out there. You're basically betting on if Geno Smith can be the guy that he was last year. So I think this is Seattle or pass. Me personally, I'm going to pass on this game just because I'm not sure if Geno Smith is really the guy. I mean, Jay-Z had a line on the takeover. It's a one-hot album every every 10-year average. This might have been Geno Smith's one-hot album. <laughs> I mean, Geno Smith is not Nas, and last year was not his Illmatic, but that might have been his only good year. So I need to see it, um, and I also need to see if those two offensive tackles are playing. So this is a clear move from the sports books. So you have to decide, is Geno Smith that guy? If he is, this line is completely wrong. If he's not, then the Lions could go out there, coming off a Thursday night game, they had the extra time to prepare, and then go out there and take them into the deep waters and drown them. Like I said before, this is Seattle or pass. Me personally, I'm passing. Another game which is really, really interesting. Let's go to Monday night. New Orleans Saints versus the Carolina Panthers. Look ahead line on this was... New Orleans minus one. Now we're already all the way up to New Orleans minus three and a half. We all know quarterbacks taking number one overall. They fell to one and 14 against the spread and winless since David Carr in 2002. Panthers fell to the Falcons 24-10. It looks like the market is just basically fading this Carolina Panthers team, which is just offensively a net. And I can't blame them. Bryce Young is the least of their problems at this point in time. They just don't have a lot of guys who can open up the field. We all know DJ Sharp, he missed the season opener last week. Maybe his presence should help this week if he's healthy. But, I mean, getting rid of DJ Moore really hurts him. He's also playing behind a poor offensive line. Bryce Young was pressured on 45% of his dropback. So it feels like the Panthers are kind of fade material to start the season, but this three and a half, it is pretty steep for a divisional game. I probably would look towards the Panthers here. I think there's a reason why this this number is is only 40. I don't know if you're going to see a lot of points in these Panthers games. You probably can look to the first half under. I don't have anything on this now, but I I think this might be a little bit of an overreaction. New Orleans didn't necessarily impress me that much. I'm not really big with laying points with Dennis Allen. So I probably would look towards the home divisional dog here in this spot. We got one more that I found really, really interesting. You got the Green Bay Packers. On the road against the Atlanta Falcons, look ahead line on this. It was Falcons minus one. We've gone through to zero, and now the Packers are one and a half point favorites. Me personally, I agree with this line move. My model actually makes the Packers closer to a two-point favorite in this matchup. We saw the Falcons win 24-10 in a game where Desmond Ritter completed just 15 of 18 passes for 115 yards, one touchdown. With 34 yards coming on one completion of Kyle Pitts. You throw for 115 yards and 34 yards come on one completion. This guy had an average depth of target of three and a half yards. <laughs> three and a half yards. 
Like, come on. This is an NFL quarterback. A passing EPA per play of negative 0.20 and a passing success rate of 33. I know the Falcons. What they want to do, they want to play ball control. They want to play defense. It's 2023. You ain't going to win football games like that. Against an anemic Panthers offense, the Falcons were outgained 281 to 221 in yardage, 127 to 91 in passing yards, 154 to 130 in rushing yards, 20 to 13 in first down, 5 of 14 versus 2 of 10 in third down. That's not going to get it done at all. The biggest reason for the Falcons' 14-point victory were two Bryce Young interceptions and a fumble against a rookie quarterback. Now, we saw the Packers' defense step up against the Bears. They pressured Justin Fields on 53% of his dropbacks. They forced a Justin Fields interception and a fumble. They limited his ability to run. If you ask me, the Falcons could be in trouble this week if they don't open things up. Drake London had just one target while B. John Robinson, the rookie, High shot running back. He led the team in targets with six. That's not going to get it done. Now, I believe the Packers' 38-10 win said a, a lot more about the Bears giving their struggles on both the offensive and defensive lines. But I think the Packers are the better team here. Jordan Love was fifth in EPA per play plus completion over expectation without one of his guys in Christian Watson. Aaron Jones, I mean, he absolutely was a star last week. Absolute star last week. He did pull up on his hamstring last week, but he dominated the Brent. The Bears easily. And they still got that that two-headed monster, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. I know the Packers made a living off third downs last week. They struggled on early downs. But I think the Packers are the better team here. I agree with the line move. I don't think this is an overreaction at all. I think there's going to be some sharp money that is going to come in on the Atlanta Falcons. But I'm not buying that sharp money at all. I told you guys at the start of the season, I like the Green Bay Packers. Over seven and a half wins. I like the Green Bay Packers, plus 340 to win the division. You actually can still get the Green Bay Packers, plus 260 to win the division right now. And also, I told you told you before, I like Matt LaFleur to win coach of the year. I'm high on this Packers team. I think this is another good spot for them. I think you have to downgrade the Atlanta Falcons after what we saw last week. I really do. This was a team that sharp money was really high on in terms of going over their win total, winning the division. I still think they can go over their win total, but this is not a team who is going to win very many games if they're just relying on the run game and turnovers and Desmond Ritter is going to go out there and throw 415 yards. I'm just not buying it at all. So those are some of the overreactions, some of the, 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 the big line moves that we saw for week two. We're going to be back each and every week. This is the Rostradamus show. We're going to have some special things coming up. We're going to be doing NBA, NFL, boxing. We're going to do some futures. We're going to do a lot of great things. we got some guests coming up. We're going to have Jamar, Jamel Charlo come on before his big fight with Canelo Alvarez. We're going to fill in all the gaps, all the things that you can't get from East Coast Bias, all the things that you can't get from the Wise Guys show. We're going to fill in, fill in those gaps right here on the Rostradamus show. Let me know what you guys think. If there's anything that you want, if you want some futures, some NBA win totals, we, we're going we're gonna to break it all down. So hit me up on Twitter. I am Rostradamus. 
Y'all know how it's going down. I am Raheem Primer, a.k.a. The Rostradamus. This is the first episode of The Rostradamus Show. We got a lot of good things coming. You make sure you check us out, East Coast Vias, on FanDuel TV on Thursday. You make sure you check out House, Warren Sharp on Friday. You make sure you check out Cousin Sal, JJ, House, yours truly, Rostradamus. Wise guys on Sunday. We got a lot of great things coming. Y'all know how it's going down. The Rochester Diamond Show. We out. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 if you're in Arizona. If you're in Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York.